All right, Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 9, you will find these words. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Well. And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Hmm. And the Lord said to him, therefore, Whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. I want to talk with you for a few moments from the thought, sin is at your door. Don't let it in, part two. Sin is at your door. Don't let it in. Part two. In the last couple of weeks here, we have been dealing with thorny issues of everyday life. Amen. And even in the auspices or even in the parameters of a Christian. Amen. And so today we are revisiting this story of Cain and Abel. And we find that ending in verse 8, the sad commentary that Cain had killed his brother, Abel. But verses 9 through 15 allows us to realize that it ain't over till it's over. Some of us might believe that after the killing of his brother, everything would be over for Cain. Amen. Even Cain himself might have believed that now that I've dusted my brother off, I can go about my business. But verses 9 through 15 allow us to see, no, no, it ain't over till God says it's over. And so in the life of a believer, the life of an individual in general, God has the last say. You might believe that the sins that you have committed, you got away with, but you don't get away with it. And in light of this text, it's so important to realize that this is sin committed against a brother. You could substitute 
other names for Abel could be Johnny or Bob or Terry or Jimmy. It could be Olan. It could be any name that could be your brother. Or you could change and say it would be a sister. It could be Jenny or Karen or Raquel or Jackie or Veronica. It could be anybody's name in this place. Because we are all brothers of one another. Amen. In a general sense, it's the relationship. But I contend for us as believers in Jesus Christ that it even tightens down a little further to brothers or sisters in the Lord. Because I'm not unaware of the fact that brothers and sisters in the Lord have conflicts. Amen. But the reality of it all is that we've got somebody to resolve them for us. And his name is Jesus. But what happens is that we forget about Jesus and we're all about ourselves. And that causes us to commit heinous crimes against one another that should never have been. There shouldn't have been a day or a time that Cain sit up wondering how he could get his brother aside to kill him. But I don't know how many times, because the Bible does not make it clear, that Cain sit up and thought about killing his brother. But when we look at our text, the text alludes to us, allowing us to see in verses 1 through 8 that Cain was already mad that God had esteemed Abel's offering better than his. So I can see him steaming at night and during the day in his quiet time trying to figure out how I'm going to get rid of my brother. Because after I get rid of my brother, all my problems will be solved. Sometimes we look around and we say, you know, my brother or my sister gives me so much trouble that I just wish I could get away. I could do away with them. And all my life and all the things that are going on will be all right. But I'm here to let you know that when you do malicious things against your brother or your sister, when you come out set out to hurt them, it ain't over till God says it over. And your problems are just beginning when you mistreat your brother. See, God has a purpose for us to treat one another right. Because remember that we are ambassadors for Christ. The world sees us and seeing us, they will see him. And when we are mistreating one another, we put a blight on the representation of Christ. And Christ will not have that, amen. Christ wants to be represented properly in the world. But we see these brothers who, whom one brother had decided that he was going to be lazy, he was going to be selfish, and he was going to decide to bring God an offering any old kind of way. And so in order to try to cover up his malfeasance, in order to try to cover up his lack of doing what God had required, in order to cover up his disobedience to God, he decided he'd kill his brother. Sometimes we want to kill 
our brothers and sisters' ministries or we want to kill their task because our brothers and sisters sometimes take a more excellent way than we are. And so the spotlight gets shined on us for our lack of enthusiasm, our lack of working in the ministry, our lack of doing what God has required. And so then we want to put a mouth on our brother and sister when they're diligent about the work. Because the reality is we're being convicted in our hearts about not being all that we're supposed to be in the Lord. And sometimes we think if we can just kill that ministry, if we can just get that person to a place that they're not operating, everything will be all right. But God is watching and he sees everything that you do. Amen. And so it's important to watch out for that kind of thinking because that's stinking thinking. Amen. And so we enter into our text today, starting at verse 9, and it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Now, we know God knew where Abel was. We knew that God knew that Cain was going to kill him before he ever did. Because God is an omniscient God. And that simply means he knows everything. And there's nothing on the other side of everything with God. So, he asked this question of Cain. So that Cain could answer the question and actually expose Cain's heart. God asked Cain, where is your brother? But look what Cain says in verse 9. He said, I do not know. See, when, when you get caught up in sin, when you get caught up in mistreating, your brothers or sisters are setting up traps. It doesn't just end with that trap. Sin has an insatiable appetite. And it wants to be fed. If you look closely, Deacon Johnson, after he killed his brother, he's already a murderer. Now he's a liar. See, sin will tend to amplify. Sin will continue to grow because it's hungry. Once sin starts, it just wants more and more and more. And so now he's going from murderer to liar. But then look what he says at the end of verse 9. Mr. Cain says, Am I my brother's keeper? Cain Ask this rhetorical question because in his mind he had decided that the answer was no. But remember, it's God that has the last say. And God is saying to Cain, yes, you are your brother's keeper. And we are our brother's and our sister's keeper. Amen. God has not left us here to abandon one another or to mistreat one another, but to be here to hold one another up. And anytime we're doing anything less than that, we are sinning against God. Anytime we, we are backbiting or gossiping on one another, anytime we are setting each other up for a fall, we are sinning against God. And yes, 
we will re- be responsible for our actions for our brothers or against our sisters. Amen. Because we are our brother's keeper. So so when we look at our text, amen, verse 10 says, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Cain didn't get away with it. And we won't either. God has a way of Hearing when injustices are done. God has a way of hearing when mistreatment is done within the family and without. God is listening and he is watching at all times. So God allows Cain to know, I know what you did. You can lie to me if you want to. But the truth is here to let you know that you are guilty of murder and you're guilty of lying. And you're guilty of abandonment on top of that. What What an indictment for a brother. What an indictment right out of the first generation of humanity. See, sin has a consequence. See, when Adam and Eve was thinking about Doing what they did in the Garden of Eden, they had no idea how far it would go. And I also warn us and warn us as a whole that we've got to watch the sins that we commit, not only for our own consequences in our own life, but for the lives of our children. There is a, there is a, um, a saying that I heard that's, so appropriate for this lesson. Amen. And that is what the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. Because if you look at it, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God by eating of the forbidden fruit. Amen. But they hadn't started murdering yet. But then excess came in their first generation. And now we got lying and murder sitting before us. And abandonment. Amen. So we have to be mindful of the fact. Before we make a decision to lie on our brother or sister. Mm. Or to backbite. Or to mistreat. Or to argue with. Or to fuss and to fight. We've got to look at the responsibility that is not just on us in our life, but it can also pass to our children. And when it passes on, it can get all the more worse. So we got to be careful with sin. So as we look at our text, we see, so now you are cursed from the earth, Mm. which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. See, sometimes when we have been heard and sometimes when we believe that uh, someone has transgressed against us, someone has, has done wrong against us, when we go into our mode of retaliation, we believe that it's going to make things better. But not only can it make it worse for you in the future, it can work, make it worse for you right now. Yeah. Not only can it make it worse for you in your life, in your emotions, in your attitude, but it can make it worse for you 
in being able to make a living, yes. in being able to find good cars and good home, curse goes beyond just yourself. Because remember that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it wasn't just Adam and Eve that paid the price, but the whole world paid the price. Where it used to be green grass and luscious fruits, there was now thorns and thistles. And so in our lives where we used to be successful, where we used to do well, now all of a sudden everything, the brook is drying up. Now because we've mistreated our brothers and our sisters, now our jobs are running out. Now for some reason we're losing cars and houses because sin has a consequence. See, sin has not only in your life, generational, but also around you, occupational, economic, all kinds of manner of consequence comes out of sin. But because in this life, the world tries to cover up a lot of these consequences, we sometimes fall into sleep. We start a lull into a false sense of believing that we can get away with it. But the truth of the matter is your sin will find you out. And so this story today is so appropriate for us today. Even though it had happened way back then, sin is still operating the same way today. And God is so concerned about how we treat one another. He's so concerned about us obeying him because the problem started not between Cain and Abel, but between Cain and God. Because if you remember, the problem started because Cain didn't give God the sacrifice that God required. And then because his brother came a more excellent way, then he turned against him. But your sin between you and God does manifest itself with your brothers and your sisters. Amen. Sin is a nasty thing. And it has the potential to be a murderer. It has the potential to be a thief, a liar. It has the potential to be all manners of evil. But the text let us know in the background text that God said to Cain, he said, sin lies at your door and it desires you, but you must master it. In every one of our lives, sin is at the door. Sin is trying to get into our lives. It's trying to get us to do things we don't have no business doing. And its desire is to get control of us. Because it really wants us dead. But God said to Cain, you must master it. That's good news to us in knowing that God has given us a way out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There is no temptation but such as common to man. But with that, God is faithful. And with that temptation, God has made a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, God has not left us alone in this. God has given us a way out of this if we make the decision to walk away. God will open up a door for us to get out of before we commit the sins that hurt our brothers or our sisters. 
but you got to want to. Because sometimes we don't even want to. Sometimes we have made up our mind we want to hurt somebody. We have made up our mind we want to do this, and we just follow through. Sometimes we get our keys to our cars when we should have picked up somebody and we keep on driving. Because in our minds, we done made the decision. You know, I'm sick of them and I'm going to go on without them. I'm going to show them. But is that what God is calling us to be? Well, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's calling us to love one another. He's calling us to look beyond one another's faults and to see their needs. Amen. And so when we go on with our text, it says that when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. It's a downward spiral in it. Look how Cain is going down, down, down. Now when he, when he goes out to till the ground, you know, he was a great agriculturalist. Amen. God had gifted him with the ability to take care of the tilling of the soil. Amen. We found in the first eight verses. Amen. But now when he goes out to do what he's been doing well all the time, look what the text says. It shall no longer yield its strength to you. As I said before, when you get into hurting or mistreating your brothers or your sisters, all of a sudden that what you used to do so well. You don't do well anymore. You may have been once a great singer, but it seems like the anointing has been lifted. And when you sing, your notes just ain't on tune like they used to be. The anointing that you used to feel, you don't feel no more. When you go to your job, you might have once been a great aerospace engineer, but now you're not able to design like you used to. Things are failing. You're overlooking little areas that used to be easy for you to do, but now... Everything's getting hard. Now, you you go to work and you're making mistakes and you're getting written up because judgment has come. Sin will find you out. Now that thing that you were so masterful in, oh, you used to be a great athlete, but all of a sudden, now you can't run like you used to. You can't catch, you can't shoot like you used to because sin has found you out. So the consequences are dire to mistreating one another. Amen. Amen. And we must make sure that as it desires us, we must master it. But as I get ready to close, I'm looking at verses 14 and 15, but I I see a cry out in 13 from Cain when he said, my my punishment is greater than I can bear. Now, sometimes when we look at the consequences of our sins, we believe that it's more than we can ever handle. But I'm so glad of what I'm reading in verses 14 and 15. Even though it's sad, there's also a line of hope. When we look at verses 14 and 15, we say, Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, 
vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Wow. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Wow. Now Cain's in trouble in so many ways. He, he, he thinks life is over with and that he can't do nothing else but die. I mean, the, the, the consequences is more than he can bear. Basically, he's saying, this consequence, I can't live under this consequence. But I don't know about you, but God has a way of allowing you to be able to live in the consequences of your sin. He allows you to be able to live through it and see the results of it. And that's what he's done for Cain. He said, okay, now there ain't nobody's going to kill you because I'm going to put a mark on you so you won't be killed, but you will live and you will see the consequences of your bad behavior. Amen. And, and so we see that Cain has lost all roots. The text says that he has become a fugitive. He, he's constantly running from his sin. Wow. That's really what he's running from his sin, but his sin has found him out. He, he, he's looking over his shoulder day and night, and he's wondering when somebody's going to come in and take his life. He's wondering when it's going to be all over because of his sin. See, sin has a way of making you become paranoid. Wow. Amen. When you got that kind of sin, paranoia steps in and you got all manners of thoughts and all kind of things are going through. So you don't even want to get here in the first place. But the text goes on to say he's also a vagabond. He lost his rooting. He was just floating around. Amen. He didn't have any one place to stay. He didn't have the roots and the comfort of, of, of the roots and the relationship that he once had. And see, that's what happens when we, we sin against our brother and sister and we commit heinous crimes against them. We disroot ourselves, if you will. We uproot ourselves out. And now we're really just kind of floating around. We might be in the church, but now we're not functioning like we should. We don't feel right here or we don't feel right there because sin has found us out. And so today I want to encourage us as saints of God to realize the dire consequence of sin. Especially sins against one another. Sin against one another will find us out and we don't want what God has as a consequence. Amen. Amen. So let us not do it in the first place. Let us treat everybody right. Let us make sure that we don't cross and transgress against one another let us make sure that we love one another and are kindly affectionate to one another instead of sinning against one another let us watch our own selfishness and become selfless and let us make sure that we're looking for the good of others instead of just ourselves because we see that this text allows us to see that Cain messed his life up he messed his life up in a big way Because he wanted things his way. And that's where it all starts. It all starts with one or another wanting their own way. But let us want God's way. Let us want to obey the Lord and not obey ourselves and not to have our own way. And we won't 
get into these kind of binds. God has a prescription for those who are obedient. God says, I've got a hope and a future for you. God says that, that I've got peace and I've got joy for you. But you got to walk in the Lord. You got to let the Lord down on the inside and let him work to the outside. You got to say, not my will, but thy will be done. And then you got to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. All the things that you thought somebody else had that you wanted. But if you follow the Lord, what's for you is for you. But you got to know that you got to love one another. See, God is serious about this love affair. Amen. He's serious about how we love him and love others. God even says, if you say that you love me, but you hate your brother, you don't really love me at all. Amen. So, so let us remember to, to continue in brotherly love. Let us continue and not get caught up with the selfish desire that cause us to trip up and tangle up in one another. Yes, we got our rights. But the Bible says in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, can we not be wronged for the right? Can sometimes we put our own rights down in order to keep unity in the body of Christ? Can we get somewhere and sit down for a little while and hold our tongue so that the unity of the body of Christ is maintained? I think we can. Because he who began a good work in you shall finish it. The author and the finisher of our faith for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. And that one whose name is Jesus lives now on the inside and gives us the power to overcome sin on the outside. So saints of God just keep on loving one another. Keep on striving to be all you can be for one another and that will make God pleased. That will bring a smile to his face. Amen. That will bring joy to his heart. And one of these days, and it won't be very long, that you're going to look and the skies are going to open up. Amen. We may still be living here on this earth in the day that Jesus comes. Now, what better way to be is to be faithful and loving to your brother when he comes. Amen. We don't want to be in a place where we're backbiting one another or talking about one another, but we want to be loving one another. So that when we are in that day, we want to be caught up in that great coronation. We want to go to the by and by. But we want to know that our business was fixed and that we were pleasing unto the Lord. So that in them great getting up morning, that when we are changed, that we don't have any issues, amen, that have not been resolved. Saints of God, I'm just contending today that we keep on this battlefield for the Lord. We keep loving one another and we keep working to the outside. Because in the end, God will get his glory. In the end, we will get our just reward for fighting the good fight, for being poured out like the drink offering. Praise his holy name. And so today, if there's anybody here who has not accepted our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the pardon of their sins, the doors of the church are open. 
They're open, amen, for every boy and every girl, for every man and every woman. You can come to know the Lord today. The Bible says, harden not your heart, for today is the day of salvation. You come today. While the blood is running warm in your veins, come today. Because you don't know whether you got another minute, another hour. You don't know if you have tomorrow. But God is promising right now, today. There is room at the cross for you. There benediction. Amen. As we prepare for our offering as well. Amen. Amen. Let us stand for our benediction. Where he leads me
I'll go with you, with you, all the way. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we bless your name, Master, for another day. Lord, thank you for all that our eyes have seen and ears have heard and hearts have received, O God. Lord, let us be better Christians, Lord. Let us be more loving, Lord. Let us be more about your business, O God. For, Father, we realize now, Master, that our greatest evangelism tool is the love that we show one another. Lord, the world don't want need any more chaos because they got enough chaos on their own. They need a place of order and of comfort and love and joy and peace. They need a place out of the wicked weather of the world into a place of refuge called the church. There are folk hurting and they got pain and they got suffering and they're sick. They need the hospital. They need to be able to get to the balm of Gilead. So, Master, thank you for being that balm. Lord, help us to be all you would have us to be and representing you to the world. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts to give, oh God, Lord, I ask that you bless our offering, oh God. Bless our tithes, bless our offering, oh God, that it be used for kingdom building, oh God. Lord, that it be used to be all that you would have new Zion to be, oh God. And Lord, we want to be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. And Lord, as we go from this place to our prospective homes or other destinations, Lord, continue to put your loving kind harms around us, O oh God. Protect us from all hurt, harm, and danger. And Lord, we once again want to be careful to lift up your name, for you are so worthy to be praised. Amen. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Please be seated and obey the ushers. Amen.